Amen. Okay, if you got a Bible, open it up to the book of Ruth. We are going to study the book of Ruth today, and the title of our message is Knowing God's Great Faithfulness. God's faithfulness has been a theme throughout our whole worship service, and I love the song Great is Thy Faithfulness. I love how Jake and Heather mix in those old hymns, amen, because they are so rich and uh, so uh, powerful. And uh, um, the, the scripture reading as well, Psalm 108, I believe that was. So God's faithfulness. God is faithful today, and we are going to proclaim His faithfulness. And the book of Ruth is an Old Testament story that illustrates God's amazing faithfulness, especially through extremely challenging circumstances in their lives. But before we, got to, before we get into that, I'm also going to quote uh, my new friend, Doreen Barberg. Actually, we've been friends for a long time, but we've been studying the Bible together recently. And uh, she made a comment this past week that I said, oh, I'm going to use that in the sermon. She's, she, said, um, she said, I love the Chippewa Valley Church because every time I go, I get a real Bible lesson. Yeah. And we said, amen, because we believe in the Bible. Amen. And and uh, she's like, I've been to a lot of churches, but everywhere I go, it's just googly gook. <laughs> I'm like, what exactly is googly gook? But it's just uh, so. But anyway, but if we're not preaching the Bible, right? It's all just googly gook. And so we don't want to have no googly gook going on here this morning. We're gonna have the the Word of God and its uh, its message to us. So, Amen. You know. Um, the book of Ruth. We're actually going to, we're actually going to read the whole book of Ruth today, together. Amen. And it's going to take about twelve or thirteen or so minutes to read the book of Ruth, and then I'm going to talk for about twenty minutes or so after that. But uh, you know, an expression in our world today is "life is hard, and then you die." <laughs> Life is hard, and then you die. Well. It's no wonder, right, with that kind of paradigm of living that depression and suicide are increasing at alarming rates. It's very easy for our world to lose hope during hardship. But the Bible has a different answer to hardship. Amen? It's not in the Bible, life is hard, then you die. But it is in the Bible that life is hard. But life is hard, and then in it's challenges we can choose to walk by faith. Choosing to walk by faith. Life is hard, but we can choose to walk by faith. And God's faithfulness brings about a glorious end. So we're going to study the book of Ruth. And I want us to listen for God's faithfulness to those who walk by faith. We're going to listen for Naomi's faith, Ruth's faith, and Boaz's faith and how they came to know God's great faithfulness. Amen? So let's read here. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So maybe a little bit different, but it reads, reads a little bit more like a story, which is good because the book of Ruth is a story. Uh, and so just a little background. The book of Ruth, Ruth lived during the time of the Judges. And this was one of the darkest, basically it was the, the darkest time in Israel's history, and it's getting darker. 
Okay, so the Israel is not doing well. Israel's leaders overall are not doing well. And the community is in decline. And Ruth is, there's, there's also a famine in the land. And so this is a story of what happens to Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, and ultimately God's faithfulness. Okay, Ruth chapter 1. It says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey, but when they came, when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she replied. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, 
who is a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. On the, on, excuse me, one day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go into any other fields. Stay right here behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, <coughs> Excuse me. Let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you get all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi explained. Do as he said, my daughter, stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the whole wheat harvest in early summer. 
and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you, so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you, take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman has, was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, Give me these six scoops of barley, and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, so Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend, I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi who came back from Moab? She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I cannot do it. Now, in those days, it was custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. 
Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and, the, and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar, and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast. She cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record for their ancestor Perez, and it goes through the names. In verse 22 it says, Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. The book of Ruth. Amen. What an amazing story, a story of incredible hardship and challenge, incredible dark times, incredibly heartbreaking. Chapter one just keeps going down, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And Naomi turns, Naomi means pleasant. And she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means exceedingly bitter, exceedingly bitter. But then in God's faithfulness, God inserts the kinsman redeemer. And really this is written in the old covenant, okay? So this is really a foreshadowing of where David, who was the hope of Israel, the king of kings, David. But what God is doing is something far beyond. Even the author itself knew this is, David is in the line to, of the Messiah, of Jesus, right? And so God used a widow and a foreign woman to bring about not only King David, the, uh, the redeemer of Israel, but Jesus, the ultimate kinsman redeemer of us today. Amen? An incredible story of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. I want to talk about Naomi's faith and Ruth's faith and Boaz's faith. First of all, Naomi's faith, choosing to do the right thing. Choosing to do the right thing. Naomi, a lot of times, gets a bad rap in this story, okay? Because she's like, oh, she's just bitter. And Ruth was faithful to Naomi despite Naomi's bitterness. And it's true. She was bitter. She went through so much emotional pain. She first lost her husband. And, and, and back in the day... When, if your husband dies, it's your sons who take care of you. And then she lost her sons. 
Okay, so widows in general, widows were taken advantage of. They were often ignored. They were usually poverty stricken because all their means of provision uh, is gone. So Naomi went from pleasant to Mara. And she at this point has emotions about God. And her emotions about God were, His hand has been against me. God has been exceedingly bitter toward me. That's how she felt. Listen, all of us have different feelings about God at various times in our life, right? And we see from the Psalms that our God is a God who can handle the different emotions we may feel. I think these emotions are pretty normal. I mean, I think it's the, the, the level of pain and heartbreak that she's feeling, right, is understandable why she would feel these things. And yet, all throughout this story, even, the, even though Naomi has a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of depression, she consistently chooses to do the right thing. She consistently chooses to do the right thing. She, first of all, released her daughters, her daughters-in-law, to, they're from Moab, just, just, you're released from your obligations to me, okay? That was at great personal uh, cost and expense to her own well-being. She's like, you know what? It's not best for you to stick with me. And she released them from their obligation. She chose to return home despite a lot of the shame now that she would carry with her being a widow. And when things started to go better, she didn't keep Ruth. She's like, Ruth, we need to find a permanent home for you. She kept choosing consistently, even though she wasn't seen and feeling good, even though she wasn't seen and feeling the love of God or the goodness of God. She might sing, greatest thy faithfulness. She might be silent during that song because she might feel like, I don't see no faithfulness. Are you with me there? We've all been in places at, at one moment or another in our lives like this, like the love of God. Oh, it's a, I don't feel no love of God. I don't feel no goodness of God. You know, there's a story, um, a brother and sister in our, in our congregation in Chicago, uh, the Dubowskis, and I think Chris and Kathy know them. They're from DeKalb, right? You guys were friends with them or knew, knew of them? Anyways, it's Joe and Gail Dubowski. Well, uh, in 2008, there was the, the horrible campus shooting at Northern Illinois University. Their only daughter was a sophomore in college, and she was shot to death. And so, can you imagine the pain? I mean, I, I started thinking, I was like, and I, I, don't even, I don't even want to spend much time in my mind thinking about what that would feel like. Are you with me there? So imagine the pain and going. But they have, uh, they quickly, they, they, as Christians, are like, we forgive the shooter. We forgive them. And they went through some grief counseling. They grieved this horrible loss. And since then, Joe Dabowski, who's from an engineering computer type background, went to get his master's in family and grief counseling. They've written a book. Uh, called Cartwheels in the Rain, about how to deal with the unthinkable. And he is now 
a family counselor specializing in grief therapy. Can you imagine? See, in their grief, they didn't get unspiritual. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. The Bible never says, do not get angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. There's hard things that happen in life. And God never expects us to be like, oh, happy, cheery. through. No, he, he understands that this is hard. This is challenging. But in our anger, in our emotional pain, there is never uh, where our only choice is to sin. In Ephesians 4, that later it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So trials bring about some... Our faith in God is always filled with impurities in a mix of faith and doubt and that sort of thing. And it's the trials in life that test it. Not a pass-fail test, but more of a testing to bring out the impurities so we can persevere. And through that perseverance, we learn and we grow more about God. It says, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Naomi still chose to do the right thing despite her emotional pain. And God was faithful to Naomi. You know, no matter how discouraged we get, no matter how depressed, no matter how anxious, afraid, overwhelmed, angry, or mistreated that we are, we can still always choose to do the right thing. Can I get a witness from the congregation? Listen, we struggle with depression. We struggle with fear. You know what? Christy Mesikowski struggled with fear, right? But she chose to do the right thing and get up and share her journey. Amen? Um, all of us, we, we, hard things happen. Maybe we've been divorced. We've gone through very challenging, and it's hard to forgive. Maybe we've been mistreated. Maybe, I don't know, what it, maybe we've lost a child or a parent, or I don't know what hardship we're going through. Maybe it's a physical hardship. It's like, I didn't deserve this. Whatever it may be, you can still choose to do the right thing in the middle of that. Amen? And that, that actually empowers us because my choice to do the right thing isn't based on how I feel in the moment. This is Naomi's faith. You know, it's hard we don't, sometimes choosing, what's the right thing that you need to choose to do? Maybe it's just going to church. Maybe it's, have you ever felt like, like, I don't feel like going to church? Okay, right? But maybe it's like, I'm going to go because that's the right thing to do. Maybe it's studying your Bible. Maybe it's repenting of an ongoing sin. But actually, the sin makes me feel good. Actually, the sin helps me get through the dark days. Hey, you can choose to do the right thing and repent of that. And God will bless you. Maybe it's a confession because you've been hiding sin and, and, and you need to confess and apologize. Well, I don't feel, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of what they may think. 
I'm afraid of the consequences that that may bring. Yeah, you should be afraid. But don't let the fear control you. Do the right thing. Get open. Confess. You know it's killing you. And it's killing the people around you. Maybe it's a commitment to resolve a conflict. How about Jesus' bless your enemy and do good to those who persecute you? Do you think you feel like doing that? I know. I know. Here, I have a lot of feelings toward my enemies, and they usually aren't full of blessings. But Jesus says, like, hey, that's fine that you feel that way, but do the right thing in the middle of it. And that actually works. Maybe it's forgiving and loving unconditionally. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. What's the right thing that through faith you can choose to do? So that's Naomi's faith. Ruth's faith is choosing to do the servant thing. Choosing to do the servant thing. Naomi was choosing to do the right thing, but we see Ruth's faith in that she served Naomi. Now, I don't know how you do around super bitter people, but if I... <laughs> but uh, it's like I could choose to be around someone super happy or someone super bitter. I kind of like Orpah here. It's like, no, I... She was Minnesota nice, right? No, I'll go with you. And Naomi's like, no, don't go. Orpah's like, no, I'll go. No, don't go. No, you know, okay. <laughs> if you insist. Woohoo! Right? But Ruth was loyal. And Ruth just gets indignant. She's like, listen, Naomi, stop talking about leaving you. I'm going to go where you go. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be God. And until death do us part, I'm going to serve you. Boy, that's, that's like a marriage vow. That's like a covenant vow. That sounds a lot actually like discipleship. Amen? We go where Jesus goes. His people will be my people. And I will serve him and empty myself. I don't follow Jesus to get the blessing. I follow Jesus because that's what I'm made for. And until death do us part. Amen, amen? That's why it's also in the marriage vows, these types of things. Now, I understand that sometimes in marriage, there's situations. Okay, I know that divorce happens at times. That's not a statement of condemnation or judgment on divorce. Amen? amen. But we see here Ruth's choice to follow Naomi, even though it was very challenging to be with her. She was loyal. She sacrificed her potential for marriage and children in order to take care of Naomi. You do realize what she's choosing here. Ruth knows that it's against the law in Israel to marry a foreign woman. She's probably saying, I'm never going to get married and I'm never going to have children if she's going to do this to Naomi. She was very bold in serving. She put herself at great risk to go out and look for food. This is why Boaz is like, hey, stick with me, you'll be safe. Don't go anywhere else. And hey, guys, don't even treat her harshly. She was bold. She went at great risk to serve Naomi. And she was humble. Okay, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to get dating advice, I may not go to a bitter old lady. But she was humble to Naomi's dating advice. That's humble, right? Listen to, who does this remind us of? How about Philippians chapter 2? Ruth poured herself out. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
Don't do anything that's for self-interest. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Doesn't Ruth just pop off the page here? In your relationship with another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Ruth made a choice to empty herself of self, just like Jesus did. Made himself nothing, taking the very nature, the very essence of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Just like God exalted Jesus, God was faithful to Ruth. Amen? She left all that. She gave it all up just to serve, just to meet this old, poor widow's needs. And God took notice. Amen? And lifted up, provided a kinsman redeemer, provided a husband, provided a child, but not just a child, David's grandpa. King Jesus's great, 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 great grandpa, etc. Amen? God is faithful. God was faithful to Naomi when she chose to do the right thing. God was faithful to Ruth when she chose to be a servant. This is great as God's faithfulness. Um, choosing, what are we choosing? Are we choosing to do the selfish thing or the servant thing? You know, I want to hold up a few servants. There's so many servants in our church, but I just want to hold up a few in this moment. Jake Kornick and Ellen are incredible servants in our church. And the, Jake leads the worship. Ellen does the kids' kingdom. I don't know if you know, but Ellen don't have kids. She's a single, young single lady, and she's orchestrating kids' kingdom. Whoa, what? Right? She's just serving the church. Um, and I'm going to say a few more. You know, this teen retreat. Craig and Rebecca, we'll go. We'll chaperone. I don't know what the rest of you teen parents did, but I'm kind of glad I went up to whatever ungodly hour in the morning two nights ago to take care of your teenagers, okay? Um, Cole went as well. Cole serving in the teen ministry, doesn't have a teen himself. Um, and recently in the campus ministry, we felt like it would be very helpful to have a more a, another mature uh, uh, People had been through the campus ministry, so we asked Jake and Ellen, would you come be a part of the campus ministry to add strength and uh, maturity to that? I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. Jake was like, yes! <laughs> and Ellen's like, of course, whatever is needed. What incredible servants, right? Uh, emptying themselves to do God's will, and God is faithful. Um, how about you? You know what? We need, new, we need more life group leaders. Are you willing? Would you be willing to lead a life group? Oh, I don't know if I can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. We'll help you, okay? Um, well, I've, I've kind of served. I, I want to take a little break from serving. Hey, there's times we all need breaks, amen? When we have good boundaries, we have healthy boundaries. That's a good thing. So there's no guilt or condemnation. But some of us, we've been taking a lot of breaks from a lot of serving for a lot of time. Can I get a witness? And we need to step up and do our part. Amen? As each part does its work. 
Amen and amen. God's way. Okay, and lastly, Boaz's faith. Now this will take us into communion. Boaz's faith. Oh yeah, and another thing, I'm going to quote Doreen again. She said, Joel, let me, let me just, so it's, it's kind, of, kind of fun to have, you know, uh, friends who, they can just be honest with you, right? So she's like, let me tell you something. You need to stop talking about those sermons going shorter. Because they actually need to go longer. I said, Doreen, come on. You're my friend here. I, uh, I, uh, one of the brothers like, I'm going to talk to that Doreen. She's... Okay. Anyway, so we'll, we'll go into communion with this, though. Boaz's faith, choosing to do the generous thing. Choosing to do the generous thing. Now, Boaz, life is going good for Boaz. He's successful. He's, has, he lives in abundance, right? He has, he's a successful business owner. He's respected. He's wealthy. But his heart, remember the, the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not about whether you have a lot of money or a little amount. You can, it's about the heart we have in either case. We can have a little bit of money, but want a lot of money. Or we can have a lot of resources and be, have an extremely generous heart. Boaz was, chose to do the generous thing. He was blessed, but it wasn't about gaining more and more for himself. He was blessed to be a blessing. He knew he was blessed so he could be a blessing. He was generous to his employees. He wanted to bring a blessing to his employees. He was generous to the servant girls. He was generous to the widows. And he was generous to Ruth. And we see that there wasn't mixed motives going on here. Boaz thought Ruth is out of his league, right? Way too young, whatever. He, wasn't, he, he was just being good-hearted. He was just taking care of her. Um, God was greatly faithful to Boaz. You know, we're going to lead a few. Uh, you know, all of us, if we live in America. We're all rich, okay? I've been to some of the poorest parts of the world. And let me tell you something. We are all rich and generously blessed. Amen? You know, in, in the Timothy here, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, it says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, the love of money, not the abundance of money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money can, can take you out. Well, let's go to, skip down to verse 17. It says, so Paul tells Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly, um, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. To be generous and willing, excuse me, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. What Paul is saying is like, listen, have lots of resources is not truly life. Giving those resources, being rich in good deeds, that's where life is truly life. Uh, anybody like steak? Anybody like steak? So I am a lover of steak. 
And if you're vegetarian and you don't like people who like meat, I ask for your forgiveness, okay? <laughs> but I like steak. And I like steak grilled, and we had the opportunity to enjoy some steak. But last night, we grilled it up. We had some friends over, and we had a great time. But let me tell you, I, I went to I certainly enjoyed the steak. It was good, amen? To God be the glory. But you know what was even better? Was watching everyone run around, eat this steak, and enjoy this, and learn, wow, this is so good. And I went to bed last night feeling like, it's more blessed to give. Now, I enjoyed the receiving, don't get me wrong. God made those taste buds for a reason. But it was more blessed to give good ribeyes than to even eat them. Amen? Are you generous? Maybe God blessed Boaz because he knew he would be generous. Maybe God blesses us because he knows we're going to be generous. If we don't have much, like I don't, I'd love to be generous. Listen, God is watching how we handle the little we do have. Because when we're good stewards, then he t- usually blesses in his faithfulness. So are we generous or are we hoarding unduly? In 2004, after Hurricane Charlie, a six-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy in Tampa, the Tampa area named Zach Bonner, wanted to help the families who had been left homeless. Pulling his little red wagon, Zach went door-to-door for four months and collected 27 truckloads of supplies, including tarps, waters, etc. A six-year-old boy just wanted to take care of people. He wanted to be generous. And so he raised thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. How about you with your time? Are you being generous or are you hoarding it? How about you with your energy? How about you with your extra few dollars? Generous or uh, hoarding for self? Boaz's faithfulness was he was generous. He chose to be generous and God blessed him abundantly. God provided for Ruth and Naomi a kinsman redeemer. This redeemer was willing and this redeemer was able. But he had so much of a bigger picture in mind. God brought, was working to bring about David as Israel's redeemer. But it, bigger than that, he was working to bring about Jesus as the world's kinsman redeemer who was willing and able to go all the way to the cross, through the cross into death and out in resurrection. So as we remember Jesus this morning. Let's be faithful, amen? Let's imitate Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz's faith. Let's choose to do the right thing, the servant thing, and the generous thing. Let's not let God's word be a bunch of googly goop this morning, okay? Let's let it get into our hearts. Let's remember Jesus and make some choices.